What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another season of the Panthers Nation Network. Season 5, I believe. It's starting to run together, starting to lose track, but it's crazy we've been doing this for this long, this many seasons. I want to thank everyone who's been with us along the way from Season 1 of the Panthers Nation all the way even past the Panthers Nation into the, the podcast that shall not be named. But going forward, I got Sean Tease and Jason here with me. E, you know, Night after the first preseason game, I wish we could start it off better, but I get to give my first take right now. There was nothing about that game that excited me whatsoever about this season, and that's what I was hoping to not say, but here we are. So, Shantis, what are you thinking? Uh, I think we talked about it in pre-production, man. That offensive line just did not impress me at all. Uh, I mean, I throwing up a starting group of and that included Pat Elfline and Michael Jordan didn't make the most sense, but, I mean, mind you, we had talked about it in Money in the Bank the week prior. So we knew it was coming. I just thought that maybe when, when we saw the rumors of, you know, Christensen and Icky working in with that first group, I thought maybe we would just roll with that and see what happened. But, yeah, the offensive line definitely worried me some. The defense, I, I, I'm i not as worried because most of our starting guys didn't play. Most of our, most of our key guys that uh, impact our season did not play. So I'm not as worried about that defense, but that offensive line does worry me. Seeing a lot of times where Baker Mayfield was kind of put in harm's way. A lot of times where I thought that, you know, he should have had a clean pocket, but I will say I was impressed by Baker Mayfield through that first preseason game. Yeah. I mean, you got to like what you saw from him, you know, as little as it was, you got to like what you at least saw from him right there off the jump. Jason, what do you, what, what were your thoughts coming out of that game? I looked like they were trying to figure out, from a McAdoo perspective, what it all comes, how it's going to all come together. It looks like they were just struggling to figure out what they needed to do. Um, for the most part, I think it's a preseason game. We always say that, but to your point, to both of your points, I would say there is reason to have some raised eyebrows right now. You know, you're looking at rule on his last leg. You're looking at McAdoo coming in trying to re you know, reinvent himself. It didn't look good for either party. No, I don't think it did. And not even for the like the coaches. I mean, we always rag on the coaches, and this is kind of what you get in the preseason. And we got to take, you know, like you said, it's preseason. You got to take it as it will. But it was just very, like, so much to the point where it looked like just all these guys are running around with not knowing exactly what they were doing. Like, it, not even from a coaching st- – and whether that is a coaching thing or it looked like honestly from a player perspective that the players themselves didn't really know what they were doing. It was kind of just mass chaos out there out there on the field. I mean, and all the areas where we were hoping to see just a little bit of improvement, we're not going to see our, you know, our questions answered off the bat, but I mean, you know, the, the blocking, you know, the, the middle of the field protection on defense, you know, the, uh, the, the run game, you know, holding up, you know, defending the run game, all things that were just not even like not answered, but just even more questions were raised seeing that and seeing, you know, who we had out there. I mean, and the thing that also, you know, concerned me is that something we've been trying to harp on is depth. And, you know, being able to have that next man up mentality. I'm not liking what I'm seeing from anyone in terms of depth right now, from any skill and from any position group, except for maybe like we thought running backs. We knew McCaffrey and DJ were going to be out. And I guess I'll be maybe running backs and wide receivers were the only ones. I'm like, all right, we got, you know, we got some guys that can do things if, 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 you know, one and two go down. Absolutely. I I think the other thing I was disappointed in was the, you know, our defensive line, that second group, those, 
they don't move guys off the ball. At least they didn't look like they did in that game. Like I didn't see bodies getting moved. I didn't see guys dominating the front out like I thought. I'm talking about even from guys that I like, like Davion Nixon. He didn't really show me what I thought I was going to see. He's a guy that I've really been high on as far as going into year two for him. Bravion Roy kind of just been like, eh. I, I've kind of always felt that Bravion Roy was just a guy that we kept around because of the rule connection. Um, him being solid was probably at the, the the main reason why why he stayed. And then, you know, we haven't even gotten into the quarterback situation yet where we saw P.J. Walker for the majority of that game where I think many people were just wondering when, why aren't we giving our rookie valuable snaps? So um, it's, it's definitely some questioning about coaching, which has been the same question we've had for the last two seasons. So can't really be surprised there. That's why yeah. I wanted to go back to it. It's the confusion part for me, right? It look, to your point, Jack, you said they look like they were running around with it like a chick with their head cut off. It looked like mass confusion, and that does come down to coaching. If you're trying to put in a, a system, if you're trying to create a culture of accountability, responsibility, people playing professional, it didn't look like that to me. And I, you know, I, I like I said, we take it with a grain of salt. We had a long list of inactives, but that's not something that I like seeing into the, going into this preseason. I mean, especially week one, you think you get a little, you would hope a little bit in the week one or not at all. You know, we know we're not going to get McCaffrey whatsoever, but I mean, we look at the list of starters. Derek Brown, you know, uh, Marquise Haynes, we knew was going to take a bigger role. JC, we still don't know what's going on with him coming off the pup list. Terrace Marshall, DJ Moore, we knew that that was kind of it. DJ Moore was a little, it was, was, was an interesting one for me. And I don't know what we heard around. And this was something I was looking, uh, I was asking Jeff as well. I don't know what we were hearing around, but that was an interesting inactive for myself. And then, of course, you had Shaq Thompson as well coming out. I knew that was going to be an issue. And that's what I thought attributed a lot to the middle of the field issues. But I, I just don't know. I mean, it's not good and indicative of a season when we start our first drive that went pretty much like every single one of our first drives went last year. You get downfield well enough to get Zane in the field goal range, and then you take your field goal. Like that's not what I'm trying to see. It's a pre it's preseason go for the fences. Why are we kicking field goals? We know how our special teams is. We know how they're going to be. I actually like seeing shy provide a little bit of explosivity there towards the end to set up the win, but yeah. it's another game won by Zane Gonzalez. You know, I put I, I put you know quotation marks on one, but I mean, truthfully, none of those none of the performances of our quarterbacks or star players adhered to that win. It was won by Zane Gonzalez and, and good field position field position. Uh, you know, I think the next thing we gotta get into is is Matt Corral. It, I, he was fine. Matt Corral was fine. I, I don't. I think I don't want people are gonna probably overreact this a tad bit to how he looked compared to his temporaries. Like you know, Kenny Pickett looked great. Malik Willis show flashes. Uh, Desmond Ritter even Desmond Ritter even had even had his moment. Sam Howell, Hell, yeah, I was even Sam Howell. My God, he looked like a, I, I, he won't be sitting behind Carson Wentz very long. Uh, Corral just didn't, you know, he looked a little jittery, looked nervous. I know people will say, well, he played with a bunch of guys that won't make the roster. Yeah, but that doesn't stop him from missing some of those throws that he missed. He missed some. He, he was he was just missing routine throws continuously when, when he went one for nine for eleven yards. So. Um, and so for for him, it's just you know you know calming down, you know, get playing within himself, and hopefully we see more consistency moving forward. But you can kind of tell that he hasn't been the focus of this camp. You can tell the focus has been on Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield figuring that out. And I, and again, that's why I wasn't really surprised or disappointed about how he played. I mean, the focus hasn't we knew this we knew the focus hasn't been on him from, since the beginning. They're trying to find a way to posture Sam Darnold to a point where they could possibly trade him off, and PJ Walker is. 
I think they would like to have P.J. Walker be the backup quarterback going into the season if in hopes they can get Sam Darnold off the roster. But as far as Matt Corral goes, I, I couldn't really t- – I couldn't really tell much. All I could really tell is that, it, that he does need time, and that in that one year he should be spending on the bench should do him a lot of good. Yeah, I think Matt Corral, I think for me, I, what I saw from Matt Corral was a solid foundation. Like we talked about this coming out. You know what I mean? It wasn't like any of the other rookies coming in, showing in that preseason game. For me, I think for the most part, Matt Corral was consistent at best. To your point as well, Jack, I did not like the fact that we are relying on our kicker again. That's what we've done in the last four to five years. That's what we've always done when it comes down to the to the nitty gritty. We need to be able to get the ball in the end zone. We need to be able to get to the red zone, be efficient, and get points on the board. And I didn't see that in any way, shape, or form. No, and it's indicative of how – and even the game itself. I mean, what, a 14-point lead we had at one time there? And again, it came right down to the wire with Gonzalez having to wrap things up. Like, that's not what you want to see in your opening opening week. Now, I'll I'll switch back to what Shanti was talking about with quarterbacks because I I take, you know, a little bit of issue with with all of it, per se. Macaral, yeah, not what you wanted to see. And regardless of who he has playing around him, I think it's still a problem when not only Corral's passes, but PJ's passes and Darnold's passes, they were getting batted down at the line of scrimmage again. This was not an issue with just Cam, like everyone thought it was last year. This is a problem with the retention that these defensive linemen are getting against our offensive linemen at every level, at every stage. I mean, I know he's not playing with, you know, the best of the best, but come on, like, you know, and that's what was, this was always the issue with rookie quarterbacks. And I mean, I liked a little bit, you know, the I saw the dog mentality in him. He gets his helmet ripped off before the play gets blown dead. He's still running around like he was going to throw without his helmet on. I liked seeing that more than I liked seeing PJ throw from the line of scrimmage on a fourth and one down the field for no reason whatsoever. Like, come on, man. I didn't understand the preseason, but get your head on straight. Like, even the even the announcers that were the commanders, you know, guys were like, what is that? Ha- what? Why did he just throw that? You clearly had the... You clearly had the one yard you could get. Yeah, that was that was mind-boggling. But PJ, he PJ made that play like he was a starting quarterback trying to save himself for the regular season. I'm like, bro, you do you do understand your career is on the line right now, my boy. Like, you do understand. Like, you probably need to go ahead and die for that one yard. You need every every play you can make. You need to make it because look, you're not even just only auditioning for us. You're you're auditioning for the other 31 teams around the league. I don't know if he is because you just you said it to your point. There was no reason he played what Jason. We think almost a full half of football. If if we're breaking it down time wise, if the we're time going wise, from, yeah, yeah, I, I would say I would say, but PJ Walker just looks like he's always looked though, right? Yeah, he looks to be we, we he looks to be just to put him in the game, make him efficient for a couple of series, but you can't rely on him for a whole half or a whole game. And that's my question is to them why we're like, we know what we're getting from PJ. His performance isn't going to divert from what he's done in the past. There was no reason to put him in that long other than Shantice, what you mentioned, propelling him to be the backup quarterback. You would put a backup quarterback in for that amount of time. But then my question there is what is the end game? You have four quarterbacks right now. One you've drafted who to, to, to sit on the sidelines and learn. We've, we've seen that from the amount of time he got to play and what happened while he played. But then you've, again, put yourself in this position we've been arguing about since it happened. You want to propel Darnold into, you know, a trade, which him having the first touchdown for the Panthers season in the preseason is not what I wanted to have our year start with. But, you know, 
I see why they put him in there longer, but if no one bites at him, you, the, PJ's not getting cut. I just, it's been like week one shows him he's not getting cut. He's not getting, he's got cut. to, he's got to he, though. Jack. He's There's not no going way. to be. There's no way. There's no if, way. Matt, There's no way. If Matt Rule, four quarterbacks. Well, I'm saying that I'm, I, and I agree with you there. So that's the thing is that I don't know what they're going to do because unless someone wants Darnold, which after Zach Wilson getting, you know, tearing his ACL, I'm not even sure how long he's supposed to be out. Uh, well, I think that got downgraded to a, a bone bruise. Yeah, so it's, now so it's, it's not been... even because that was the only thing that. Well, maybe we could just you know ship ship him, you know, return to sender. Maybe we could get put that stamp right back on him. But now that doesn't seem like it's going to be an issue. There's nobody that's that desperate right now, even for a backup. There's no Let's one that's that 100 honest. Nobody is trading for Sam Darnold. No. Okay. No one's even signing well, for Cam, so no one's trading for Sam Darnold. So, so, so let's just let's just suck it up. We're going to have the highest paid backup quarterback in the NFL this year. Let's just go ahead and, re- unless the Browns go get Garoppolo, we are we are going to be the highest paying backup quarterback in the league. He's making twenty mil this year, right? Nineteen and some change. Yes. And I was fine with that metric. I was fine with that metric back when it was Derek Anderson. I was fine with that metric then. That made sense. Keep him for all he's worth. He'll come in for one Bucks game a year and actually win the game, or he'll throw a an, uh, an errant, you know, pick six that wasn't really going to do anything for us anyway. But that's why my confusion is, Jason. So, at the, like, they have made it clear that they're not choosing a starting quarterback. They're not going to name one. They're going to keep letting this battle go out, even though it very clearly should be Baker. So, and they're and they've made it incredibly clear. I think if they're to play him a full half of football, that when they don't even need to see anything from him, that PJ's not going anywhere. That's Matt's golden child. He has been the he's been there from it from the from the get go. He's not going anywhere, regardless of how he plays, because it's that connection to Temple, and and it's that you know he's unfortunately the only sort of consistent source of backup quarterback you have. Well. I would say this to Matt Rule if he's listening to us. If you align yourself to PJ Walker, you both can get your pink slips at the same t- same time, and we will happily walk both of you to the gates of the bank and say sayonara. I mean, this is the same guy that allowed himself with Sam Darnold. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think PJ Walker. PJ Walker not even. PJ Walker's not even like the final straw for me. It's the it's the signing Sam Darnold before you even seen him play, giving him the eighteen dollar extension. That I still never let nobody in that front office tell me that was a good idea. So I, you know, PJ Walker. I mean, here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing though. All right, all right straight up though. All right, all right, if y'all had to pick QB two, would, would you rather have Sam Darnold or PJ Walker? I'm gonna go with Sam Darnold. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know why? Because at least. I know I'm paying for what I'm getting. PJ Walker, I'm not. I just don't see. Uh, do you really want to be paying your backup quarterback? Like just like you said, do you really want to be paying your backup quarterback that? Much? I don't have a choice, Jack. Jack, I don't have a choice. Okay, That's all right. Let's say in a perfect world. Let's say oh, in a perfect, perfect world, world, Sam Darnold's not getting that 18 million, and he's just him and PJ Walker straight up. Perfect world. I'm putting Matt Corral number two. That's bold. That That's is bold. Great. I mean, I hope, I, 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 my, my, my hope is that Corral can be QB two at some point, and if he could end up being QB two by the end of the camp, that would be great. But Matt Corral is <laughs> QB two by week. Call it now, week five. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't think I want to see any of Matt Corral this season. I ain't gonna front. No, I, I just said QB two at week five. I just said QB two at week five. 
I, I don't think Baker's going to get hurt like that. I think I think that line is going to figure itself out. Well, we 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 praying because this is my this is my thing though. Like I don't want to yeah I don't want to see Macro at all. I mean we're looking right now. Fitterer's you know shaking in his boots with how with how Willis played out in Tennessee, how Pickett even did in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Fitterer is is going okay. I've done a lot right. This one, this is gonna like I need Sam this. Howell. Sam even, Howell. Yeah, I mean even Sam Howell. My God was running. I mean he was playing some Jake Delhomme esque football out there. Like he was playing some yeah, rough and tumble. He, I'm he gonna has run. He has something oh, yeah. he does. And he's playing like it too, though. He's playing he like he's got something to prove. And whether that was because he's playing us, playing the North Carolina team, yes. you know, one yes. that didn't even take a shot at him, and maybe that goes to the wayside next week. Because look at he—he he can take over Taylor Heineke. He can take over Carson Wentz in in a in a oh, in a court. Oh, oh, I was already QB two to me. Oh, yeah, I'm there watching that. I, I, I'm the Taylor Heineke experience is cute. It's always been just that. It's cute. Let's be realistic here. I like Sam Howell to be QB2 shit. I'm be honest with you. I don't think it's too much longer with how Wentz plays throughout the course of the regular season. Just, just let Howell spin. What's the point of waiting on, a, on, on another veteran guy that's seemingly at the last, he's on his last leg of, of, of his professional career anyway, as far as being a starter? Man, let Sam Howell spin and just, and just go for broke. It could, be a, it could be a diamond in the rough for Washington. But, Jason, I'm just trying to say all this to tell you to be prepared, get yourself emotionally prepared right now to have four quarterbacks on the roster when we play the Browns. More quarterbacks than the Browns have on their roster, and they're paying one of them to sit in his sofa right now and 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 hold his phone from calling the massage line. Like there, that's that is what we're going with right now. Because I'm telling you right now, we have eleven. We have eleven players right now, Jason, that are either from Temple or Baylor, and only two or three of them have been in the league for longer than five years. There are a lot of rookies. That that we have from Temple and Baylor right now. And I can go down the list for you if you'd like. I got it pulled up here. So no, I don't think there's so, any so way that he's getting cut. The nepotism it is. is real. But if he wants, there's no way. If Matt Rule keeps four quarterbacks on the roster, I'll walk him out of the stadium. Like, there's no reason for that. There's just no reason for that. For what reason do you, let me ask you an even bigger question. How can you even justify it? The glorification of your own coach. ego. No, no, no. As an NFL coach, how can you? I mean, even Tepper's got to say it. The Steelers Bro. never had full quarterbacks. Thanks. The Dallas Cowboys have never had full quarterbacks. The San Francisco 49ers, 49ers even when they suck, never had full quarterbacks. The Miami Dolphins never had full quarterbacks. Washington, even Not- when they had one guy, when Alex Smith was on crutches out on the on the field. Wasn't even didn't have, even Cam Newton when we had, when we had Cam in and out of week we still only had the three quarterbacks the only time we've had four so again, quarterbacks Jack so he can't he's gonna have to put PJ Walker on the scouting squad or you're gonna redshirt Matt Corral you're gonna give now, him an IR now that exactly right there with South Carolina fans know it all too well about the supposed injury that occurs yeah. at some point in time and yes. I think it's gonna be a lot like what Sam kind of ran into last year when uh, we had to bring Cam up I. Right there, Jason. Someone is going to hit. Someone's going to get a turf field the wrong way. Whether yeah. it's Sam, whether it's PJ, I'm betting on. I'm banking on PJ because Sam has to still prove that he's worth the money that we're giving him. Yeah. Whether in the on yes. the practice field or on you know the sideline, he's got to prove that he's worth the money we're giving him. Matt knows that because from a business perspective, you're right. Tepper's going to say, "Look, this is not fiscally responsible to be paying these many quarterbacks the way we are right now." 
Like I said, exactly. the only only quarterback, only team that has a worse quarterback situation, and it's even arguable, is the Browns at this point in time. So PJ is going to be that. All right, you know, he's the it's the novelty of him. It's you know the 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 uniqueness of the story and the the connection he has with Temple and Rule. He's gonna he's gonna sprain his ankle in practice. It'll be a non contact injury. And he'll be put on, and you know the eye, especially with how up at topsy turvy the IR is now after the pandemic, and they've kept it the way it is. He'll be on IR every freaking week. If we have this many slots, and you can be for only three, four weeks, they'll put him on IR for a month if it means he can come back in. And this is nothing against PJ Walker, nothing at all. But there's just no reason for him. There's no you have your you have your rookie that you wanted that you want. You've got your position battle. PJ's not in the quarterback battle at all. So. There's just it, it, there's no reason for him, but there's also in Matt Rule's mind no reason to cut him, and he's going to use the argument of he's the only consistent quarterback we've had the last three years. He's the only one who's provided some, and and that be that you know as false as it is, that's it's, what Rule's going to use. He's the most, and to Tepper and to, and to Fitter is going to say, well, we haven't paid anything for him, and he's still output. However, what three wins he had last year, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, well, I, it, however, I, I would say this, man. Matt Rule does a great job of putting P.J. Walker in position to win, boy. I'm not going to lie. You think about that Detroit Lions game in 2020. Stole a win there. I mean, you won 20 and nothing. Then last year, throwing them in there with Cam, even though, like, you know, the, yeah, Cam scored two or two of the few uh, two of the touchdowns that you had in that game. But P.J. Walker will always be postured up to be a guy that can, that can be on the roster, at least by Matt Rule's standards. But, I mean, the other thing about Matt Rule is this. You know, we could talk about all the rookies and stuff that, that that outperform Corral, but I think the main thing is is that none of these rookies are being coached by Matt Rule. At a point, I could we we would, I just seen a list of guys that graded out so well for all the other teams. I'm like, bro, I think it's simply because they're not having to play under Matt Rule and all of these other, and and we we've been proven to be able to to draft talent over these last few years. But even look at look at last year's class. How many of those guys do we actually know what we have in them in, in that in that class exactly. of 21? Now the 20, now the 2020 class, they had to play, had no choice. Because you drafted them, you had no offseason, y'all gotta go like now. And that's the only reason why we got this. I feel like the only reason why we saw Jeremy Chan materialize the how the way he did his rookie year and how we saw a few other guys pop off as well. But twenty the class, the class of 21 didn't get to see a whole lot of the, this current class seems like it was gonna be. Kind of it, kind of iffy. Like I mean, Iki Iki Kwamu didn't even start, and and why? Why? Why is there? Why is my sixth overall pick not on the starting group on the in the, well, that, during the first preseason game? Well, that speaks a lot to what it goes back to when I keep talking about coaching, right? Like I'm not, I'm not gonna not let, I'm not, I'm not gonna let them off the hook, right? Mm-mm. Can't when you go to work, when you when somebody puts you into any position, right? If you fail at that position. Some of it is on you, but the most part is somebody trying to introduce you to your new organization, trying to get you up to speed. If we're paying coaches five, four, three, two million dollars a year, whatever it may be, some of them ten million dollars a year, however you want to look at it, and your team goes out there and doesn't look like what they're doing, these are grown men. These are grown men who are smart enough to understand a playbook. The fact that they don't understand situational football. The fact that they can't get themselves set on the line. The fact that you're not running an offense that seems to be efficient with what the the tools that you have in your tool bag. 
that ultimately falls on coaching because that's leadership. That's from the top to the bottom. There's no way around it. We can sit here and talk about Matt Corral. We can sit here and talk about Sam Darnold. End of the day, when you put that product on the field and they look like a bunch of Pop Warner football players at age five trying to figure out, do I go in the B gap or the A gap? It doesn't look good and it doesn't bode well. And what really doesn't bode mm-hmm. well is the fact that you've got Matt Rule on the hook for another year. If you don't make a change by week four and we look like trash, that's going to be a problem, a bigger problem than what you know, because guess what you're going to end up doing? You're going to end up isolating yourself from next year, hopefully poaching some of these free agents. We don't have the room for error in this particular situation, and we have to correct it right now. Now, going into week one at that Browns game, if we look like we looked – we're going to lose. Period. I, I agree. I agree. I agree as well. And it's like, it's to Shantice's point we talked about. I mean, you look at, you know, the rookies that were playing and how they performed. You got Mike Vrabel and Malik Willis. You got Mike Tomlin and Kenny Pickett. You got Ron Rivera and Sam Howell. And you got Matt Rule and, and you got Matt Rule and you got Matt Corral. And like, and it's a, it's a scary thing. The one thing, if we just take it on a positive spin, we mentioned a little bit before, and I'll go back to it at this point in time. You know, like I said, liked what I saw from Baker out in the front. You know, we, even with the line, if we can get the line squared away, you bring back in, you know, your, some of your starters and McCaffrey and DJ. And Ian, I got a little bit more, I got a little bit more confidence in what that offense, that offense from a skill position can do. I have a little bit more of a, you know, confidence. Offensive line, still no. We got to, that's, we got to figure that out tomorrow like that's got to be done tomorrow and i mentioned it the one bright spot i saw was the running backs and wide receivers i mean higgins looked like exactly what we thought we were going to get out of him foreman yeah. seemed to play in incredibly well in that and that and with that first group there was an it didn't seem to be a seamless transition whatsoever especially with chuba as well you know if you if, if mccaffrey needs some breaks this week you know this year having that tandem of hubbard and foreman because hubbard you know he's not as fast from you know north to, to south as mccaffrey is obviously but he's almost just a shift to east to west, and he can be utilized as such. Bring in Spencer Brown, the guy from UAB. I loved what I saw to him. That was a that was a, a penetrating run for that touchdown, and and I think that filled out our wide receiver class fairly well. You know, Zilstra still showed his. You know, I'm going to do something. Even that. Well, I don't even know what the other guy was. The 83 or whatever is one. The right, whatever his name was. I don't I don't know who he was, but even yeah. he's, you know, seemed to show something. Like the wide receivers. We've got if the, if the quarterbacks if the if the linemen can give the quarterbacks the time to get the ball out there. We've got the receivers and the running backs to make plays in that second and for and that second and third level. From what I've seen, <clears throat> that was about the only bright spot that I could you know that I could come up with as, as looking at a looking at what we were looking at. Yeah, you know you know another guy who who impressed me as well, uh, Derek Wright. That's who was. That's who it was. I was trying. I couldn't remember the name. Yeah, he yeah he he impressed me. Found found ways to get open. I, I know uh, C.J. Saunders has been a guy that they've been really ra- raving about in camp as far as working out of the slot. Um, it, well, where was I, he? I didn't see anything from him because we've been hearing all about him. I think he had a quad. I think he's dealing with a quad injury right now, so I'm not sure if he'll even be available for the New England game. So it's like he'll definitely be a practice squad guy. If, if by by the end of training camp, if he hasn't played a preseason game, he's got definitely going to end up being a practice squad guy. Um, 
I get, you know, the, the next thing is going to be, I mean, you know, how, I'm intrigued to see how much improvement we, we've gotten out of Terrace Marshall. I know in, in camp they've said these things, but I need to see what is he, what is he actually supposed to be? I still haven't, we still haven't figured out what he translates to be in the NFL as far as what him at his best. What would that look like? I'm still intrigued to see how, how that looks. But again, like you said, Jack, our skill position guys, I, I'm impressed with. I, I'm, I'm not really worried about that at all. Um, the only way I'll be happy with this offensive line, though, is is if Icky and Christensen are on that starting route because those two guys give you the most potential out of what you can have on on this current group. You know, another guy I was I also was I was impressed with though, K Mays out of Tennessee. He yeah. he popped yeah. he popped out a lot. Now I seen him putting guys on the ground, putting guys on the backs. As far as like just seeing guys manhandle other men, K Mays actually showed me some of that. In that game, Deontay Bryant, I think that I think that's that ship has sailed for him. I don't, I didn't think he had very long anyway. Uh, he's I think he, he slimmed down, but I just don't, he, he doesn't move like an NFL offensive lineman. No, it's just it just it just isn't there. I think K Mays will definitely end up fit of, of of finishing out finishing out that roster at, at at a guard position, which which who I like. I mean, if he's a backup and this guy that can be versatile and move across the line. Then by all means, bro, let let them spin and and add more of those nasty guys to that front. Yeah, and I think too, I, I think another bright spot we had we had zero fumbles, zero interceptions yeah. in that game. You know what I mean? So we got to kind of take a little bit of the nuggets that are good to outweigh all of the bad that we saw. You know, I mean, not turning the ball over gives us much more of an advantage during the season. Understanding how to protect the ball. Gives us much more of an advantage in those short yardage points where last year I think we lost the ball a lot, probably on that second to third uh, third down when we like short yardage, getting the ball punched out. We protected the ball, but you know, for me, I again it goes back to the cohesiveness, and I I I just really would like to see us be a cohesive unit when we come out and not look so discombobulated, not just not look so discombobulated. I agree. And that's going to be the unfortunate part, you know, going against the Patriots, another that's going to be an airtight team coming out there at every level. Not a single one of those players that's taking that field is going to be, you know, for the most part, not knowing what they're doing. And that's going to be another test to see how we do. But Shanti's talked about Cade, especially I would argue. And, and with the draft class, the current draft class, from what I saw from the bottom half impressed me a lot more than what I saw from the top half because Amare didn't do that bad either. He was in the mix for a couple plays there. It looked like a good backup for Haynes and Burns and or Yeter, whoever's going through there. And then Kalon Barnes, he was in there a couple plays too. I saw some big hits from him. He had some good coverage out there. And it's to round out, you know, the depth, there's always one of those guys those, you know, back end of the roster cornerbacks that tries, you know, makes a splash in preseason. And I think Barnes, if he keeps playing the way he is, could could over jump, could jump over some people. I like Barnes as well. Like I said, Barnes and, and Brandon Smith, he makes he has some flashes there. I get from an athletic standpoint, you know, for for Smith and Barno from an athletic standpoint, I love both of those guys because because of the amount of potential that's there. If it's developed correctly, those are impact guys. Barno's a guy, Barno's a guy, he's he, man, he's a strictly Pin your ears back, go get the quarterback type of pass rusher. Um, I mean, he's a he's a thinner frame type of guy, so he's gonna have, he's gonna have to bulk up some. He looked like a he honestly looked like a wide receiver out there playing defensive end, where, rocking that number nine. He looked like looked, looked like he had his dad's jersey on. It was swallowing him whole. But um, like you said, Brandon Brandon Smith popped off the screen for me, and like you said, Kalen Barnes found himself in position on a lot of plays, and even it was one pass in particular. It was an, it was an incompletion, but it was I want I want to say number thirteen for the Commanders. He ended up bobbling on the sideline, 
But when I look at the position Barnes had himself in, I said, bro, that's not that's not bad positioning. That's a, that's an NFL throw and an NFL play being made, end up being an incompletion. But the position he found himself in was one where, like, you know, if you hold off a little bit longer, play, you know, play, play the ball a tad bit better, you probably, it's either a pass deflection or interception. But he put himself in position along, you know, and he had the speed, of course, to go along with that. So I think, you know, help round out that secondary group. Kalen Barnes is a guy that I think could possibly find his way. He'll definitely find his way on, on a special teams unit this year and could possibly be, like I said, a reserve corner for us that we can have instead of having to go sign, you know, Rashawn Melvin, who's like 37 off the street. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we can keep, you know, keep some of that in-house and have some of these young guys step up and play for us. And that's one yeah, thing no question. And on, oh, I was on the other side of the ball. No, 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 on the other side of the ball, I was going to say two people that really stood out to me were Richie and uh, Smith, Sean Smith. I think those are going to be two – Two people we can plug in if we have any issues with Terrace Marshall, to your point, Shantice. If we have any issues with injury, maybe Robbie Anderson, somebody needs to be out or whatever. I think we got two people we can plug into those spots and really be some beneficial pieces to us winning some games down the stretch. And and McAdoo did his homework because that that route that Smith ran, he's yeah. run that top to bottom every weekend <laughs> and week out. No matter what SEC cornerback you're putting on the other side of him, he's ran that route. Till the dogs come home, and that. Hey, oh, bro, you were inside the slot, bro. You it, it, it's it's money time. I I know they like CJ Saunders, man, but I'm gonna be real with you. You put shot in the slot, bro. He's win. He he's winning that ninety yes, percent of the time. Ninety yes, percent of the time, he's gonna get open. I'm telling you. I have yes, a bone to pick because I need to see Charleston Rambo do something in a game. Put him in the game. Let him get a big. I need to see success from Charleston Rambo. Short solely. For sorely off the name, I don't care anything else about him. I don't care. Like I just need to see Charleston Rambo succeed because I want a Rambo Panthers jersey so bad. That goes so hard. Um, yes, I'm, I'm sorry. That just goes so well. But flipping back to what Shanti was talking about with um with Kalon, and because one of the things I liked about what I had seen out of him was his positioning on the field, not as necessarily in passing routes, but in the issue that I took with. So uh, this is a twofold uh, comment here because I think so I know Littleton was out there and this is something that for for our whole linebacking core they need they need to make some names for themselves quickly because the middle of the field was atrocious. Brandon you you got a, such a plain name for a player you're going to have to find a way to make yourself stand out cuz I'm going to be honest I'm going to forget you're there half the time. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Like yeah, and and I think you did that. You started you did that this week. And so that goes along with what I'm saying for Kalon. There was a lot of times when those runs broke that second level. We, I know I saw, you know, I think it was Reggie Bonifon, if I'm not mistaken, all over there for the commanders, but he mm -hmm. was carving us up a little bit and he was breaking that second level. But I saw Kalon come down and crack him. He had a huge hit on it. And that's, I think, something that comes straight out of Steve Wilkes because we have not had that for cornerbacks in a while. Like Dante can hit. Don't get me wrong. Dante can hit. We know JC can hit. But for the longest time there, we didn't have guys that were coming down to that second level from the cornerback position and cracking some heads. And I saw that more this week, whether it was for a lack of linebackers making those plays or whether it was putting more of an emphasis on flying to the ball, even on run plays. But that was something that I saw this week that I was that I was I was I was I was I was, I was pleased with. So that was something i thought that, that that was good to see from this team yeah the thing that i like yeah. about brandon and amare is that or yeah is amare is that they both mirror to me like a guitar and a, and, a, and a jeremy chin the versatility on the field the presence on the field what you can do off the line of scrimmage standing up or, or you know or at a three-point stance 
And I'm hoping that that's, you know, some sort of cohesiveness that we can get there from that st standpoint. Like I said, we're we building up this defense that is that is a, a merry-go-round of guys that you can throw in and blitz or, or pull back in in coverage. But I need to see it work in implementation because I haven't seen it work in implementation no matter who we've put in these spots. But that's also, that's also just the first preseason game, right? Yeah, I think I, we'll see, I, think, I, I, I think we'll see a lot more with the with the New England Patriots. I think hopefully film this week will be more than just the normal, and we'd be able to break down a lot more film and put people in better positions to succeed. But if it's indicative of the cohesiveness at the coaching level, I'm kind of worried about that rule in McAdoo. I'm kind of worried about that whole communication piece, right? If you're looking at it from a from a six foot lens, um, I, I would also say, and I would also say, the defensive side of the ball because we had so many absent. I can't wait to see how they are. They seem to be the cohesive pack of the team, right? Mm -hmm. you got somebody familiar that's back in the building. You've got some veteran players there that were there in our quote unquote heyday, if you will. So you've got that cohesiveness that's going to permeate through. So I think the defense is going to be a little bit more in step. We didn't have that many absences on the offense except for like McCaffrey. So that makes me All a little right. bit more worried at how we look holistically as a team and how we put it out there. I think coming in, I think the Patriots had some issues in their last preseason, right? But you know, Bill Belichick, he's going to right. come in next. He's going to come in tomorrow morning at three o'clock in the morning. He's going to have Bon Jovi pumping and he's going to get everybody back on the same page, you know, I don't know what Matt Rule's going to do tomorrow. I think Tepper may need to be in the building a little bit. Maybe Scott Federer needs to be in the building a little bit to be over his shoulder and be like, are you doing what needs to be done? Because I just, my gut of guts tells me that everybody wants to be bought in, but they don't want to be bought in behind him. And that's that, the issue that we have, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the undercurrent of everything that we're seeing not coming to its full fruition is the fact that you've got half the team bought in, but they're not bought in on the leader. So what does that look like? What does that look like, right? It looks like what we saw yesterday in the first half, or it looks like what we saw at the end of last year. You know, yeah. that whole, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing aspect, it's old. It's really old. We should not be the biggest, I mean, you listen to any outlet. Oh, Carolina Panthers, we're not looking over five wins. Anybody. Anybody. And from a time perspective, that should not be the case. Just exactly. off the talent alone. And we and, and the reason why we all pick Carolina at five games is because we know our limitations are well are well past what our players can do. And and that's the biggest limitation of all when you don't believe in the coach putting putting the product on the field. You know, before we had issues with the roster, like back in like, you know, 2013, like going into the 2013 season when, when they made their first playoff run to Rivera and years prior and years prior and, and past those years, we were always worried about would a talent be enough? We know the coach coaching wise we're gonna be in position. Would a talent be enough? Now, man, we got the talent and we got a bunch of guys that Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no reason for us to have this many guys that we feel can be top 10, 15 in that position and still hover around five wins. That's the most insane part to me. Cause this on paper, if we if we're just looking at looking at the talent we've had through our, our franchise history, this is some of the, this is some of the most talent we've ever had as, as one collective in a long time. 
and for it and not look, to materialize is is ridiculous. And as young as we've been in like the last ten years, I would say, right? We haven't what? been this young. We haven't been this young in like ten years. Am I not correct? We went from the one of the oldest rosters in the NFL right. to one of the youngest rosters in the NFL, if not the youngest. Uh, last year, we were the youngest roster in the NFL, far yeah. and away. We uh, we went we made that change in five years. I mean, we went from from Super Bowl uh, the Super Bowl we touted one of the oldest rosters in the NFL. And then exactly. coming in last year, we were playing more of our rookies. We were starting more of our younger guys that, that were like three years below. Yeah, ever. And, and, but see, Shanti, there's my, there's my catch 22. There's my Sophie's choice. Do we want a successful season to, 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 to have just for our peace of mind to have a successful season, but then that could potentially solidify rule to no. go further into his contract, or do you want a a a a, a piss poor season, for lack of better words, to go ahead and put him on the tracks and get him out of here? That he does not make it past week seven. Even with if, even if a, with an above five hundred record, I think you have to go with the temperature in the building at that point. But that's the thing: is that the temperature in that building? Winning I record, winning record or not, right? If you come to work every day and you hate coming to work. Something's got to give. Like yeah. the players are going aside. The play, we may be winning off a defensive loan, Jack. If we're winning off a defensive loan, why does Rule need to be there? Yeah, this is true. I would agree, I would agree with you, Jason. It just seems that Matt Rule is like the freaking music man. He comes into town. <laughs> he sells you all these shiny instruments. Tells you that he's going to teach you kids to play the instruments. He hasn't taught a damn kid how to play anything. No, they're, they're strumming trumpets and trying to blow on violins. And that's what I'm concerned about. But he's a con man. He's pitching himself because it seems like from what we've heard, what we heard from Burris, what we've heard from the guys in press conferences is that they like Rule. They seem to like him. Hey, look, I I don't think Rule's a bad guy. I think as a guy, I think if we all met Matt Rule, we would generally have the feeling of, oh, I, I like this guy. Yeah, we got a drink. We, we kick it with him. He's a great guy. He's just horrible at his job. And that's all that matters. And I don't care about anything else. As great of a guy he is, fam, you know you know what he should go do? Be a little league coach. I think the type of lessons that Matt Rules teaches are great for kids. Look at Boy, I, I got games to win. We're running laps. As an NFL team, we're running gassers for mistakes, bro. What the hey, bro? Well, we're come not allowed on, to nah. stretch. We're not. We're not allowed to. We're not allowed to celebrate or stretch the ball over that end zone, no matter what happens. No, we're not allowed no, to. We're not no. allowed to. You need to run it across. You need to run it across. You need to run it across. Man, all I can say is that it's funny because the rest of the NFL world is starting to realize how unserious of a football operation we have in Carolina because of Matt Rule. Like, we've never gotten this much coverage for being bad before. I remember plenty of years of us being bad. And what was great about us being bad back in the day was that nobody cared. Because of damn what's going on in Charlotte. Jake DeLone's our quarterback. John Fox is such an obscure guy. Nobody wants to talk to him anyway. But now we're bad and we have an idiot at the helm. Think about this. Think about this. We've got one of the highest paid coaches, one of the highest paid backups, and we suck. Yeah, that's crazy. And we suck. And and the stat and the stories that are written of our team alone, the stories that have come out of our operation, should have been like, like like a moth to a flame for hard knocks or all or nothing or anything. Rule don't want those camera crews in his practice. 
He don't want those characters anywhere near Mint Street. Tepper, he's turning down the money we would have probably gotten from those programs. You tell me Detroit is more interesting to watch than the Panthers right now? Don't even, don't even kid with me. Come on. You got Dad. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darn. You got this, like, last year alone, the last two, three years alone could have given you that sense right then and there. But we, they don't want those crews anywhere near our, our team. They don't want those camera crews anywhere near our team. Tepper? What does that say about Tepper, though, his mentality of where we are and where he wants to be and where he's going? I've told, right? I've said it. I've said it from the get go that Tepper is not a guy that's going to, to uh, that is not going to, he's not going to put highlights on his mistakes. He's not gonna. He's not gonna highlight what he's done wrong. It was the whole reason we didn't get rid of T- uh, Donald from in the, from the get go, or Rule from the get go, for that matter, because we put too much money into those guys. He's not gonna make his business decision look like a bad one, and yet he's got CEOs and CFOs and, and executive directors dropping like flies at his real estate and his events companies. And here, like, there's not like there's nothing happening here. And so that's where I, and look at and, and your because your easy stretch is done for the preseason. Your easy stretch is done. You got the Bills and the Patriots, so you can forget about any Zang Gonzalez saving game, save, game winning field goals for you. That that ain't gonna happen. I, I know it's the preseason. I know we're harping on it too much, but I'm hoping we're harping on it just as much, or hopefully less than they're doing in film right now. I hope they're harping on it more than we are right now. Yeah, bro. I, we can't be the one setting the standard for, for, for what should and shouldn't be allowed on the field for us, man. But, uh, yeah, all in all, bro, it's just I hope they can get it together. I, I have hope in McAdoo. I have hope in, in, in Baker Mayfield. But this will all be for now. I, I, Baker Mayfield with the offensive line that is sustainable could – I think I believe could really take this offense to the next take this offense to the next level. I think just off the sheer fact of the matter that he's able to make big big time throws. He's played high level football before. I think it's simply just, fam, can we protect him? Can we, we protect him? To, we haven't been able to do it in the last three years. And I was hoping with the youth that we've added, with some of the veterans that we've added, we would be able to do so. I think this again, it goes back to what I'm saying. You got McAdoo coming in his first year. He's probably pressing. He's putting in some things. These these people aren't used to. People are learning new playbooks and things of that nature. But end of the day, that's your job. That's not an excuse. What we need to make sure is we have is a cohesive unit. Because at the end of the day, you're going to learn on the job. And you're going to be able to draw from your, your friends on the line, your friends in the backfield, whomever you align to. What we're not having is that that leadership piece. And I think to your point, Shantice, you're absolutely right. If you give Baker Mayfield a decent line, Baker Mayfield is an efficient quarterback in the NFL, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Heart, heart alone, mind alone. Like I, I would I would rather have Baker than Sam Donald, PJ Walker, and Matt Corral rolled into one. I'm be honest with you. That, you know, that was my other thing too. I know we kind of getting towards the end here, but I was like, yeah. I was looking, I was, I was like, Man, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, bro. If, if Baker does what I believe he could do, if we do this, if we do this thing the right way, I'm not sure. I'm just so eager to just to to see Matt Corral yet. I'm be honest. I would like, agree. I, I would if, agree. But in the meantime, we gotta keep waiting. Even in the season, we gotta keep waiting. <laughs> and we gotta keep pounding.